Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardawar. I'm Reviews Editor Sherlyn Lowe. And today, we've got a bit of uh, fun news and more serious news. We're going to talk about the PlayStation 5 and The Last of Us, and also diving into some major changes happening in the world of facial recognition among some of the major technology companies. As always, if you're enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review, especially if it's on iTunes. That's super helpful. And drop us a note at podcast at Engadget.com. You can also leave us a quick note in our web form that's right in our show notes. So just look up our post on Engadget and you can find it right there. So to talk about the PlayStation 5 and a lot of video game news, we're chatting with Nate Ingram, Deputy Managing Editor of Engadget. Hey, Nate, how's it going? pretty good guys how are you hanging in there this week um busy i'm also I... in the middle of moving like i am t-minus <laughs> one week from the move so oh my God. everything's being boxed up furiously it's all crazy uh Sherlyn, any updates on your end i mean i think we're all all crying every day just <laughs> just figuring all of this out i had i had some time off this week but i know you guys were slammed with like last mm. week and this week like gaming news seems to be very heavy well you yeah. know e3 was supposed to be going on at the beginning of june and they've kind of just stretched it all out uh to kind of go throughout the month it feels like so no! it's all it's remote e3 is what's happening we're all just surviving that which hey i would rather be in la but <laughs> In, it's in also, terms of like actually getting news out, it's it's all right. I mean, they stretched out the week for you, so this like mm-hmm. endless hell week has become like an endless hell month. It feels like yeah, yeah, kind of right. So I think like EA Play is is Thursday night at seven. Uh, we had PS Five earlier in the week. We had Xbox a couple weeks ago. Um, not gaming, but WWDC is virtual next week. So oh, like, God. it does oh, actually kind of feel it kind of feels like normal again, which I like. Even if yeah, we're not there, we're just doing it all from home instead of traveling and being in a cramped uh, conference room or something yep. trying to cover this. So let's talk about the PlayStation 5 stuff, because yes. last week Sony had, you know, a big game debut event, but they mm. saved the most interesting bit for the end. They finally revealed the the console. And uh, hey, that's a that's a big boy. That is a big, yes. curvy console with big tails. Um, <laughs> I am. 
I see a lot of people memeing it, and I guess that's what happens when you see something new because it, it looks like a weird giant piece of modern <laughs> art. But I, I kind of like the fact that it looks a little different, even though it's very large. Um, and I'm not sure how well it's going to work horizontally. I'm fine with it, and there are going to be two different models. Uh, the main one, which has a 4K Blu-ray drive, finally, it mm, is shocking. Finally. finally, shocking to me that 4K Blu-ray, a format that Sony co-founded was not supporting the playstation 4 meanwhile the xbox one s and xbox one x did it you know years and years yeah, ago five but years to venture you have to recognize this is a hill that you and very few others want to die on <laughs> listen it just doesn't make any sense why I is know, microsoft but... supporting your format why but is nobody microsoft cares about, it. Job about no it no one cares about are people it? really using 4k blu-ray well no. not really uh, honestly well, well a lot of new movies like if it's a major new release it gets 4k blu-ray i think i feel uh, like enough people are buying it to yeah but nobody's buying (laughs) it they they keep making them like somebody's buying it for them to keep making this stuff so anyway i'm one of those weirdos uh me and my cinephile friends are so yeah yeah, these have the new drives but there's also a digital edition which has no drive at all and is hopefully we don't have pricing for any of these but hopefully that'll be cheaper it looks a little sleeker that is Sony going all in on digital downloads, which makes sense because then people can't buy used games, which don't earn mm. Sony more money. So, yeah, it's a lot of stuff. Nate, any thoughts here? So as far as the looks, I think it's funny how much people care about this. You said that was the most right. exciting news. I kind of disagree because, like, I don't really care what the console looks like. Like, sure, you want it to look nice on your on your shelf. But for the most part, like, doesn't have the games. Um, yeah. But I'm more concerned with the, like you said, the size rather than the, the physical design. Yes. Like, it's a big boy. It might be kind of difficult to, to put in your in your space, which is, you know, not ideal. Um, as far as going digital only for the models, I think you're right. That one could definitely be cheaper um, as a way for more people to get into it. Um, if you don't buy discs anymore and don't uh, watch movies on disc, then, you know, if it saves you 50 bucks, that might be worth it considering how much these consoles could cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we we don't know. And I, I feel like both Microsoft and Sony are basically playing a game of chicken because <laughs> what we know from the hardware is that these things are basically going to be very powerful mm-hmm. gaming PCs. Uh, I wrote a piece several months ago because these things are going to be running powerful processors, next-generation AMD GPUs that can do ray tracing, all sorts of fun stuff. This is heavy-duty hardware. They want to be able to play 4K beyond 60 FPS. They want to be able to support 120 FPS gaming, you know, maybe for 1080p. But to build a computer that does that today, that will cost you over $1,000 even before you include a monitor. Mm. So the way consoles typically work is that, you know, they'll... They get this. They get hardware that can be a little more powerful because they're not running a full version of Windows or something. Mm. Um, and companies tend to take a small, like they take a hit with some console hardware too. Um, that was at least the way it worked back in the like Super Nintendo and Genesis and PlayStation days. More recently, I've read that um, Microsoft took a hit with the Xbox One X because that hardware was so powerful too. It was much more powerful than the PS4 Pro. So the question is, what are we expecting to see here? $500 is kind of the assumed range. But looking at this hardware, I could see up to $600 for either of these machines, the full PS5 or the Xbox Series X, right, Nate? I I feel like that's got to be the limit, though, $500 personally. Like, I agree that it could be $600, but I think that's what Sony did when it launched the PS3, and they got creamed for it. Uh, they did. They did yeah. get, and like we're in the middle of what a worldwide recession. Yeah. pandemic is still happening. People are out of work. 
Sony has made, Sony executives have made these comments that basically say gamers will appreciate you know, the value of what we're giving them or they want it to be something they aspire to. And that language really does make me think it's going to be more expensive than people think. Uh, I could see the full version of the PS5 being 600 bucks and the That'd digital version being 500. That would be nuts. But I wouldn't buy at that price. <laughs> I I mean, listen, you want to play the next Last of Us or the next other game? Yeah, you probably wouldn't buy it at the beginning. Yeah. Um maybe more I think more consumer friendly, maybe 500 for the top end one, 400 for the all digital one and yep. Then we'll see how Microsoft goes. Uh, based on what we know from the hardware, the Microsoft hardware seems like it's more, it's slightly more powerful. The GPU is clocked higher, the CPU is clocked higher, and Microsoft is using like slightly better RAM too. That's why the Xbox Series X looks like a giant PC, or be, it, like it looks like a PC tower. So it's a new era for consoles. They're basically gaming PCs. I'm going to be really interested to see kind of where these things go, but. I really hope we don't go beyond five hundred dollars. Um, any thoughts on the games Sony showed off, Nate? Like, there's a new Spider-Man, Miles Morales standalone game. It doesn't. Say, it's not going to be a full size game like the last no, Spider-Man, is. but it is. Well, so here's the thing. No, it's stand- it's one hundred percent going to be. No, it's no, no. Be. They're saying this is what I'm saying. It's okay. standalone in the way that Uncharted: Lost Legacy was. Uh, that's what it sounds like. Like a forty dollar shorter game that you can buy on its own because they're saying like it is it is not as long a game in- as there's been so back. much back and forth there is um, a lot of yeah so yeah. i'm looking at the most recent thing that we heard mm-hmm. was that um yeah they've all they've said is it's a standalone game they haven't commented yeah. on the length at all so i think so it, there there was a lot of confusion right based on yeah. one executive who said that it's sort of an add-on to the last spider-man right. game he totally misspoke <laughs> he totally misspoke but i I mean, you look at the timeline here. That Spider-Man game is not that old. I don't True. think they had time to build a whole new engine, you know, build a whole new version of the city. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this ends up being like a $40 thing, similar did to the, Lost Legacy, but yeah. Did they give a timeline for when it was going to launch? I I don't think so. Right. I've so not, that, I mean, you know, it could come in 2021 as a full title, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think hope that's a launch title. Yeah. I think regardless of what it what it ends up if it's going to be a slightly shorter or a full game, either way, it's going to be super interesting because the trailer looked amazing. If you ask me, like, it looks cool. Yeah, yeah, it looks cool. And I think people are just very excited to play miles Morales. Miles is cool. I like the bit I played of him in the, in the last game too. He has like kind of a key role in the yes. middle of the game. Yes. Yeah. And we're seeing a couple other cool exclusives to horizon forbidden West is the sequel <laughs> to horizon zero dawn. Uh, Sherlin, I don't know what Sherlin is doing over here. So. I'm, I'm giggling yeah. because when we were preparing to talk about this uh, <laughs> on the podcast, I called this and I, I had covered uh, the Horizon Forbidden <laughs> West games on our news shift. I was like, Horizon Fortnite West, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like sure. my strange brain mashing sure. up the games. You're just, you're just going to mash it all together. Uh, that game looks cool. I like the, I like the last Horizon. I did not finish it. I know you're a big fan, Nate. Yeah, um, that I was one. You're excited. Yeah, that was one of my favorite games of the last generation. Uh, if The Last of Us was my fave, that one comes in probably at number two or three at worst. I think um, it's fair to call you basically a Sony first party fanboy. I like, think you're I mean, on board with those games, right? Yes, no, absolutely. I mean, the, the games that I love the most was Last of Us, God of War, Horizon yeah. Zero Dawn. Spider-Man was great. Um, you know, no, 
no disrespect to the Microsoft side of things, but I just don't see the games there that make me really want to run out and buy an Xbox. Um, for sure. I might be missing things for sure. Um, but like every, you know, every Sony event, there's at least one or two exclusives that get me really excited. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't blame you. Um, among other Sony exclusives, by the way, uh, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, new version of that game. There's Stray, which I think it may be a timed exclusive, um, but that is a cool futuristic game. It looks post-apocalyptic and you play a cat with a backpack. And I'm very excited for that. Oh, good Lord. Super oh cool. god Super i'm cool. surprised there no. haven't been more games where you play as a cat let's be honest the internet loves there's a cats. game where you play as a goose already come on oh untitled there are goose some game. there's an indie game a first person indie game where you play as a cat i forget the name but you play as a cat that jumps around just wreaks havoc so that's great that is that's sort cool of like un- untitled um, goose but for a cat Yep. Basically, basically. And Sony also showed off a couple things that are definitely coming to other platforms like Hitman 3 and yep. Resident Evil Ooh. 8. But Ooh. there's certainly a brand power when you are the ones to kind of say, hey, we are revealing this game and yeah. this is maybe coming to us first. Mm. Um, mm. It seems like Sony, once again, has the games. Uh, Microsoft bought several studios. Um, I know they're like building things up, but there's also stuff we don't know, like Halo Infinite. We don't know what that is. And yep. I don't know how much people really care about Halo now compared to like a narrative thing, like uh, like what Sony tends to build on. I will say I really like Game Pass and I like yes. the subscriptions and services Microsoft has built up because Game Pass basically is a free flowing, you know, uh, wheel of games that comes <laughs> to me every month. There's games on my PC. There's games on my Xbox. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that I get for free and games that I've been meaning to play and just never got around to just pop up and i don't have to pay anything extra for them so i think it's a genuinely great value you also get like first party games immediately you get them at launch for free right yeah so as as a sony guy i will say that i think that microsoft takes care of its customers extremely well lately um mm-hmm. backwards compatibility game pass that stuff all sounds you know as somebody who who is in the sony system mostly um sounds great like ps plus is okay like i like I have a great huge library of stuff that I've gotten through that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it just sounds like Xbox's setup is a little more user friendly, a little bit better thought out. Yeah. I mean, Microsoft is all about the platform too, right? They don't, honestly, they're getting to the point where they don't care if you have the Xbox. What matters is that you are on Windows or you have something that runs their services, you know? Yep. And I could see even eventually, like, we've seen some Xbox integration move over to the Switch. I could see them you know doing some interesting things maybe bring some game pass stuff there maybe bring remote play like portable play for your xbox games bring that to the switch that would ball be really really interesting um new console generations it's an exciting time i wish it was landing at maybe a better time for the planet because there's so much else going on that thinking about consoles just feels superfluous uh (laughs) Speaking of games, by the way, Nate, you reviewed The Last of Us 2 for us. I did. Which is a game I know you've been looking forward to. I've been really looking forward to it uh, in your, you know, non-spoilery way. Any any initial thoughts? I mean, it was massive in every meaning of the word. Um, it took me about 25 hours to play it, uh, which is more than 10, more than the original, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um Beyond that, the like scope of the environments you're in is huge. Uh, you know, there's a lot less gating in terms of keeping you to one section to the next. Like if you're if you run into an encounter with a lot of enemies, 
you have to remember you can run to like a completely different part of the area. Like the the span that you can move in is is massive, mm-hmm. so you can really like get away, restart. Uh, and I found myself having to remember to do that rather than saying I like, kind of stuck in the same little area trying to trying to get out of trouble. Um, it's very difficult. I played it on the medium difficulty level, and then I tried it on hard, and hard kicked me around pretty good. Uh, and I and I know how those games work really well because I played the and first you, you one. You could change the ton. difficulty on the fly too, which I think is yes. pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So Naughty Dog did a ton of accessibility stuff with it, and this is just scratching the surface. But you can obviously change the difficulty on the fly, but you can also adjust difficulty for things like combat versus uh, the availability of items in the world versus stealth. And so if you're like, oh man, I'm really enjoying the difficulty but i don't have enough ammo you can make it mm-hmm. so there's a little more ammo for example oh, that's cool yeah uh story-wise the story is massive and branches and touches on tons of things like i said we're not going to spoil it here but um it is super bleak and super dark even more so <laughs> than the first game exactly what we need to i know right and i honestly what an escape I, yeah uh, i feel a little bit for naughty dog having to you know having to release the game right now uh, they were initially going to bring it out in February and then it got delayed uh, to May. And, you know, there's it, it's tough to sell a pandemic game in a pandemic <laughs> world with like very little hope in it. Um, but on the other yeah. hand, the people who love it and that is a pretty large group of people will play it no matter what. So um, mm-hmm. and then, you know, it'll be around for years. I'm sure they'll make it available on PS5. So even if this isn't the year to try it in a year or two, you know, it'll it'll yeah. find more people. There's a lot of coverage about the game, too, in terms of, like, it's not just bleak. It is also, like, very violent, very insane, and in a way, like, almost obsessively so. Like, it seems like it's reveling in the violence, maybe even more than the first game. How did you feel about that? Because this is an Ellie-focused game. You know, you're playing as the girl you were trying to save in the first game, and... I think that I thought the whole idea was in the first game was try to like protect her from the world in a way, but it also seems like she's just become the monster that Joel was. Is that the point? I think that you're touching on something that's that's pretty accurate. And again, without giving away the details, um, you know, the game starts and you see her like having a pretty like great life, relatively speaking, in the post pandemic in a community with lots of, you know, friends and relative safety and security. Um, and then something happens that totally shakes her life up and she goes on this journey for revenge. She just can't catch a break. It no, sucks. No, it, it does suck. And it sucks to see it uh, because, you know, I came to care about that character quite a bit in the first game. Uh, I would say, yes, it sort of like keeps pushing her further and further into like being the bad guy to some degree. Um, but at the same time, like when I was playing her because of what happened, I was wrapped up in that and like feeling her need for revenge also and then mm-hmm. there's like a perspective shift and like some plot stuff that happens that makes you kind of reconsider how righteous she may be um and it's really well done like it starts okay you know it's a revenge tale it's about cycles of violence all stuff that's been done before but i think in typical body dog fashion they tell it in a really great way and that the journey is worth going on um and yeah, it gives you a lot to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the actual violence, yes, it's super violent. Um, I think that the difference between the first game and this one is mostly that with the PS4 being used to its full advantage, like the the fidelity of the up-close violence is more disturbing. Uh, it's not that it's necessarily a lot more frequent, but um, but it, it does just like look more realistic. Um, you know, you're, yeah, so it's, it's a lot. Uh, I got you. 
But if you play the first one and were like generally tolerant of how that game worked, um, this one shouldn't push you too far off that. I will say that um, for the review, I had to kind of binge play it, which I probably would have done anyway. But right. in, in retrospect, I think it'll benefit people to take some more time with it. You know, play for a while, put it down when you get you need a break, come back to it a few days later. Uh, mm -hmm. Don't try and rush through it. Otherwise, like you don't have as much time to think with the story and you may also get a little overwhelmed with what's going on. I'm I'm looking forward to having my heart broken. I think the thing about that first game is that just that opening sequence where you yeah. play as a young girl and you see the pandemic start and like it ends, you know, spoiler for a game that's <laughs> basically 10 years old at this point. But, you know, the opening of that games, the character you're playing is a young girl who ends up dying. Yeah. Like she is shot by the police because they want to contain this pandemic. And that is Joel's origin story, basically, yep. of him, yeah, him having to deal with that. That is 15 minutes into the game. It is so powerful and so shocking. Like, if that felt like a game-changing moment for games, um, just talking to people when that thing came out. So I'm hoping Last of Us 2 can give me some of that stuff. I am worried about the grimdark. I'm worried yeah. about games just focusing on on the darkest bleakest possible things because there are other ways to tell stories i don't sure. i don't think it's only that i'll say that's mm -hmm. like one of the biggest feelings of it but it's not just like everything is terrible it's okay. um it's there's there's a reason for what these people are doing that resonates with them and it resonates with you as you're doing it um and there's also like some light found in uh they did a lot of flashbacks they play with time a lot more in this game than they did in the first mm -hmm. which is fairly linear um, and the flashbacks uh, feel inspired by the Left Behind DLC. It's a lot mm -hmm. of exploration, a lot of character building. And some of my favorite moments between both games come in those. Um, just absolutely beautiful stuff that uh, mm -hmm. the way it's framed, it, it, it hurts, but it's also really good to see. Um, Great. Yeah, there's emotion all over the place. It took me a week before I could start writing the review because I just didn't know how I felt about it. Um, At least you had the time. Like, I can yes. imagine rushing this game and then trying to get your thoughts out on it. Yeah, so, no, I I, I yeah. played it in about the span of a week, maybe a week and or eight days, nine days, and then I had a good week to write it up still. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah, it was good. So I, go, I, go check out Nate's review yep. of The Last of Us 2 on Engadget. It's worth a read, although I'm saving it for when I can actually play a bit of the game. I support I know that. you're not spoiling. Like, I know you're not spoiling anything, but man, I am... I'm just trying to be a little vigilant now, even though I can pretty much tell what's happening just from the murmurs yeah. from everybody. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I would love to live stream Shirlin just playing the opening. Oh my God. <laughs> no. the first one. You've already yes. spoiled it for me though. So I'm yeah. not going to be surprised. I no, might be but it, I mean, you have to see it to really seeing it is yeah. one like is a whole other thing. Like, um, do I have to get experience. a PS4 for this or a five? I, I would say I'll live, I'll live stream it for you if you want to just watch Shirlin. <laughs> You could just watch it on YouTube. Oh gosh, like, this yeah. is why people record. Game I guess plays. I'll be, I'll be down. Um, I don't know. So something you mentioned, Nate, just now yeah. about um, how you know this might not be the best title for people to buy now, and maybe in a few years it'll stay around. Do you think people will be nostalgic for the pandemic in a few years? Like what? <laughs> no, I just think so, it'll be less know. of a present, you know, pressure. Like yeah. you know, Dan Cooper for, wrote for our site. I guess right now is the last the best time to play the first game. He gave it a shot and was like, "Eh, I'm out." Um, another friend yeah. of mine did the same thing. She started playing yeah. it and decided to save it for later. 
Um, yeah. It's so, a little heavy, but maybe someone can come back to it later yeah, when they're not yeah, saying nostalgic, yeah. but they've dealt with the stresses of, of right, real exactly. life right now. Like, like right now, I think a lot of people want more disposable, easy stuff. And like, I have no judgment for that. It's absolutely mm. a valid choice if you don't need to add, you know, it's like, do you want to watch Breaking Bad right now? Uh, I don't know. Like, or, or Overcooked too, you know what I mean? I'm just going <laughs> to keep shouting out Overcooked. Yeah. <laughs> There's more fun games we heard about this week, right? The cat game, come on. Oh, good the lord. The cat game. I mean, the cat game is good. Uh, there, there are a couple things we could throw out here. Um, Witcher 3, console players, will be able to get a free copy of the game on PC, which Yay! I think is pretty cool. I mean... There's some really cool crossplay Witcher stuff happening. Like if you've played the game on the PC and saved, uh, like backed up your save, you can continue on the Switch, which is Ooh. astounding to me. Like the fact that you can that's I of would stuff. totally do that. I yeah, would totally yeah. do that. You would also play that. Didn't you watch that show? Yeah, I haven't touched What's anything that? Witcher myself. I haven't seen the show. I haven't played Witcher three. Uh, mm-hmm. It's five years old now. Do you think it's still worth a play? It is. I, I think The Witcher 3, up till like 20 hours in, there's like one really good quest to do. I know people who love it. I can't I can't stand the combat to me. It mm. feels mm. like not not really um, challenging or rewarding. Like it just doesn't feel good as a combat game. But the story is good. The graphics are good. The world building is good. So I feel yeah. like you would love it, Nate. I'll have like, to give it a shot then. Why not? Yeah, there is now everybody can play The Witcher 3. And if you get it on console, you can get a PC version uh through the gog store so that's cool that's pretty cool um i'm digging that and also there's a couple a bunch of pokemon news pokemon <laughs> snap oh, too before you talk pokemon, finally coming before you talk uh-huh. Pokemon, yes. one quick thing about difficulty you mentioned um yeah. the last of us too uh i appreciate the fact they put in a story mode this time so there's easy and then there's even easier <laughs> so like no if people want to just experience it oh, like me the incredibly stressful gameplay uh you can do that so I like that. Cool. Lots of games are doing that. that these days. Although I feel like that is why game streams exist too, for people to just uh, sit yeah. back on YouTube I, and go you, through it all. Yeah. No, I, so another you know, the, a friend of mine who's um, been playing a lot of games during the pandemic is saying she just likes to like you want to you want to do it yourself still, yeah, not you want to do, do it. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, I think that it, yeah. it may be a generational thing too. Like I grew up wanting to play the games and not sure. just watching people play it. So that it, is totally a thing. that's a very good point actually. Yeah, kids these days they uh, can't I know. even play their own games, but they do Man. love Pokemon still. If you want to pivot, they back do love to that. the Pokemon. Uh, Pokemon Snap Two, the sequel to the Nintendo sixty four game, is finally, finally <laughs> coming to the Switch. Uh, that is exciting. If you want to take photos of the Pokemon, <laughs> I'm sure you will dig that, Sherlyn. There's also a Pokemon Cafe Mix game <laughs> coming to iOS, Android, and Switch. Also, like this is all for Sherlyn. It's all for me. And, uh, also, this final thing I think will also be for Shalin. There's Pokemon Smile, an AR phone game that will help kids learn to brush their teeth. Uh, so... Why is this for me <laughs> and not you and Sophia? Jeez. I'm just, I mean, I'm just saying. Uh-huh. I mean, I might play it. Like, don't get me wrong, but I, oh, yeah. I that cafe game is that like? Can you explain it? It's like Diner Dash, but with Pokemon. I can't. There's a trailer right now. I, I don't see much love... of gameplay. Um, yeah. I assume will be Diner Dashy or even like cooking Mama E. It sounds like you're managing a cafe. Incredible. With, that is really, really up my alley. And yeah, I mean, it looks like, I mean, look, the graphics for the game has cute images of P- Pikachu, Eevee, and some of these newer Pokemons I don't care about. <laughs> and like lots of delicious looking cake. Like, come on, man. This sounds like it's right up my alley. I don't, you know, I don't want your pandemic game. I want this like Pokemon <laughs> and cafe 
game. It's it's yeah. Listen, it will it's be a matter of time until we get the Pokemon Pandemic game and yeah. things no, will really hit the Why fan. did you have to ruin it, Devendra? Sherlyn, you can you can only play Pokemon Cafe after you play The Last of Us on the hardest no. difficulty level. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the Pikachu Revenge oh. murder game. That would be Ash, amazing. Ash gets killed and Pikachu has to go. <laughs> Go rabbit, figure it out. Rabbit Pikachu. Oh, um, uh, yeah. It looks like it looks like Cafe Pokemon Cafe Mix is going to be free to download, which is nice, and then also will be yeah. out on June twenty fourth. Which holy crap! I'm I'm actually now looking forward soon. to soon, and also that's definitely going to be like you know something with in game purchases. But, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Well, I am looking forward to the Pikachu murder game, and I'm sure you no. will too, Nate. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely nice to talk to you guys again. Have a good one, man. Later. Bye. Bye. Okay, enough of the fun stuff. Let's talk about something serious, and that is facial recognition. And I oh think boy. in the wake of the Black Lives Matter protests and mm-hmm. you know the widespread look at police reform and police culture in this country and how police tend to abuse their power, it turns out a lot of companies are thinking twice about how they're approaching facial recognition. And some big names, too, like Microsoft says that it is now waiting for legislation, uh, which we're kind of expecting in the next year, uh, to occur before they start selling facial recognition tech again. Amazon, which has been selling its recognition technology or recognition. I'm not quite sure how they pronounce it. With a K, yeah. With a K. uh, In a a really cool, evil sci-fi way, yeah. Uh, That is a total RoboCop company move recognition yeah because we are (laughs) reconfiguring your brain uh that's something they've been selling to police uh for a while they're putting that on moratorium for a year which is (laughs) just a pause they're not saying no more uh ibm meanwhile is saying it's stopping work on general facial recognition technology altogether uh citing human rights concerns and that's uh that's interesting because I feel like IBM always wants people to forget that they sold database technology to the Nazis. That I like how you never IBM let them did. forget no, it. No, I'm never going to let incredible. them forget it because anybody, anybody, <laughs> Volkswagen, cars of the Nazis, oh. come on. Oh. You should remember your history. I, I don't know if that stuff will affect the way people use products today, but I think it's worth looking at companies and their cultures and specifically tech. You know, we talk about how tech is ruining the world today. Hey, IBM has been doing it for almost 100 years so you know that's worth noting but yeah they are backing out altogether and probably because they don't have a huge business around that but i do find all this really remarkable um just a lot of big changes happening really quickly all this by the way follows a new police reform bill by congressional democrats the justice in policing act of 2020 which is mandating uh body cams and will require a court order for facial recognition. So it's going to be more like wiretapping, I guess. You know, a judge mm. has to approve it, which, my God, I, I can't believe we didn't even have that restriction up until now. Um, any thoughts, Sherlyn? Because we've talked about facial recognition before. This is scary tech, uh, especially around Clearview AI, this tiny startup, which had somehow built up the most powerful facial recognition yeah. database every, anywhere, and police have already been using it. What are your thoughts? I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is that, like, didn't we already go through this with Clearview AI, which you just said? But then also, like, yeah, every big company and their grandmothers is working Mm -hmm. on facial recognition tech because, A, I mean, apparently law enforcement wants it, but B, Mm -hmm. like... They also use face recognition in a lot of their consumer-facing products, right? Almost and, definitely, yeah. Right, and so like th- this isn't new by any means. Like the M- Microsoft uh, and Amazon have been going back and forth 
with um, authorities on facial recognition uh, regulation for a while. Like Microsoft was calling for it, whereas Amazon was actually kind of just yeah, yeah, yeah. When when recognition was first, I think sort of in the news around 2018, um, there were some protests around it, or and, yeah. and it just struck me that it's been going on for so long. But it really took this um, like congressional uh, Democrats. Uh, well, it took, it took nationwide bill. protests for this. Right, to it basically took yeah. the country to go on fire. Which for is, hey, you know, we, better than we, nothing, I guess. Yeah, it, that is how I think a lot of major change happens and yeah. major progressive change. So that is the value of protesting and being out on yes. the streets. And shout out to everybody who is still protesting. Those things haven't stopped. People are yeah. still out there. Uh, justice for Breonna Taylor. All that, you know, we are still in the middle of a crazy amount of uh, oh god yeah. cultural rethinking in terms of how we think about law enforcement. So, yeah, it's a good time to look at facial recognition, too. Yeah, yeah these companies, um, they're building this tech. Uh, there's a lot of it within our devices, but there's also mm-hmm. a difference between, like, computer vision and, you know, just recognizing your face, just like your face unlocking your device or something. That's all happening locally. Apple, for example, uses Face ID in a way that is not, it's encrypted Um, and it's not stored. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I think that there is some of it that happens locally for device security. I was referring more to like Facebook's been identifying faces in your picture for, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. Let me, let me, you know, delineate between these because when it comes to recognizing faces uh, for computing logins or even something like uh, Google Photos, which you can allow it to recognize the faces of your family. That's all stuff happening that's kind of private to you. But yeah, Facebook, Facebook's whole thing, right, is knowing who people are, trying to recognize people, trying to tie ads to specific people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, it's not it's not great. These companies want this stuff to succeed because they want that uh, minority report feature, you know, where for some reason that movie, they were scanning irises. Isn't it much easier just to scan faces, which are... <laughs> easier to recognize and everything but anyway that is the future personalized ads things like that i think it's a really interesting step we're in um clearview by the way after all that controversy they announced that they would stop selling their technology to private companies but yeah still still happening for law enforcement this stuff is going to continue this is just the beginning i i think this bill is a good first step i do think mm-hmm. that after all like our episode on clearview ai there there's been so much news of like abuse of the clearview ai system by people mm-hmm. who have access to it or people and frequently people in power and imagine if like there's i don't know i mean i worry i want the regulation to be enforceable as well so like you know, if if it's something like uh, requiring like a wiretapping style where you require not a, a warrant or a permission or a court mm-hmm. order before you can run yeah. a facial te- recognition thing, um, then it has to be like there has to be like restrictions around who can access it before like allowing it. So like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I'm, my brain's going into full law and order SVU mode now. And it's <laughs> like, you know, I can see this. I can see this being abused already. And oh, it's, yeah. it's definitely very scary. If you give humans, you know, extremely powerful technology, we will use it in upsetting we're flawed. ways. That's we're what terrible. we do. <laughs> That's what we do. Um, yeah, I'm hoping we can come up. We, we definitely need more tech-savvy politicians and people in power to also kind of think about and manage this technology. So here's hoping we come up with some good solutions over the next year. We'll definitely be following this closely. 
There was some other fun, I guess, news this week. Twitter <laughs> announced a new format. Uh, it's something called voice tweets that it's a testing. A new old format, by the way. Sort of, yeah, kind of, kind of old school, but it's new for well, no, Twitter, Twitter anyway. Twitter started out as Odeo, as a podcast company. So oh, they're well, going full, kind of full circle now because it's audio back into your tweets. Yeah, see, I'm not old enough to remember Odeo. Anyway, oh um, <laughs> anyhow, your timeline might look very different. You will soon be able to post 140 second clips of some kind of audio. Uh, your whether it's you saying something or singing something, which is how I plan to. They're use this. really stretching the 140, you know, number, number thing. Like yeah. it doesn't signify anything for audio, but yeah. okay, okay. Uh, the whole reason Twitter is doing this, they say it's to introduce a so-called, in quote, more human touch uh, <laughs> to the timeline, which I get it. I think we have covered in the past that social uh-huh. media is where all discourse seems to be happening these days and words can be so easily misread, misinterpreted. Uh, I don't know that voice is necessarily the way forward and the way to go, but I can, I think it's, I yeah. just think it's a change and it's an interesting change or Full circle, as Devendra puts it. What do I you think? think um, I think they're just, this is, they don't have any way to add audio to tweets right now. That is the yeah. thing. So, like, when we actually break out clips of this show uh, with our tool called Headliner, we actually create a small video file, which is yeah. played underneath uh, our tweets. And that is a weird, clunky thing. So, yeah, just having, it's not just voice, it's any audio. It's yeah. the ability to throw any audio into your tweets. Hey, we're we're making a podcast now. Audio all yeah. of a sudden is a bigger thing, so it makes complete sense. I would yeah. use this more for like voice clips or something, or like a clip from the show, yeah, more than just a quick thought from you know from my tweets or something. So but yeah, it makes sense. For mm-hmm. me, I I mean I agree with you. I think that I still think that video is an important component to not forget. Now with these voice tweets, you can include mm-hmm. text with it. Um, I believe also picture, but I'm not sure video. Um, and it doesn't seem clear yet. Also, whether you can upload an existing clip or yeah, yeah. or whether you have to record live as you're you know posting. Some your people tweets, have so. it. I've seen these tweets already floating around. I just don't have it yet on my phone. Me yeah. neither. Uh, but when I do, you can be sure my Twitter might get more interesting i guess uh, i will say first of all my mute button is going to come in real handy once oh. one gets this power uh yeah right in other news i cover this really interesting thing that logitech is doing they're bringing carbon impact labeling to all of their products and it's going to show up as like a little a little c on the box with a number huh. and that basically is going to designate the the carbon cost of a mouse or a keyboard from production through its entire lifespan so even including its death and like when you will eventually get rid of it this is a really cool thing nobody has ever done this before and it's a really interesting way to make visible the environmental cost of our gadgets that's yeah yeah, it's something these companies talk about um a lot of companies say they're trying to you know go renewable or offsetting their carbon costs somehow logitech is actually going to show to you right on the box and they also want to make this an open platform. And I think that's pretty cool. So they want it to be something that other companies use. And, you know, maybe when you're choosing your next mouse, you can look at like, uh, maybe one has a much higher carbon cost for some reason, you'll go for the lesser one. It reminds me a little of Energy Star ratings mm-hmm. uh, yeah. on appliances. Uh, the Logitech CEO says it's more like nutritional information it's sort of like when you look at calories yeah. you know before you eat something you're like do i want to put this in my body um now the idea is when you buy a mouse 
you'd be like, do I want to, you know, hurt the world in this way just to have a fancy new mouse? I I think bringing that stuff to light is really interesting and um I do think that it's it's um a bold move on their part if only because if it it forces them to commit to like making things that are yeah. less carbon intensive or you know the carbon footprint isn't as high because if someone sees on a logitech product a bigger carbon yep. cost mm-hmm. then they might not buy it and they you might be putting people away from pushing people away from yep. buying your own product They're which is why a lot of companies haven't done this they yeah. are putting themselves on the line um because other companies i've covered like hp have committed to doing things like oh yeah we use like 90 percent like uh recovered plastics <laughs> right. from ocean just believe us man thing. yeah yeah and that's very different from and i i mean i admire that but that's mm-hmm. very different from slapping a label on your own product and saying hey this thing actually isn't that great for the environment if you want to buy it maybe mm-hmm. consider our less carbon costly model you know it's, and it's, i think that that's yeah yeah these ratings are also validated by third part like several third parties so it's not like just audited. logitech yeah putting their own number and things like it is it's they're doing a really interesting thing i like logitech as a company just because they're kind of uh to think of like the pop star never stop stopping song uh they're so humble <laughs> they're a humble little company i interviewed bracken Darrell, the CEO head. from have you seen that movie shalin it's amazing it's perfect. What movie? Never Pop stop star. stopping. Yeah, no, it is perfect. No. You will love it. You will no. not stop quoting that movie if you see it. <laughs> but anyway, I interviewed Bracken Darrell, the CEO, several years ago, and he just came across as like a really interesting, humble guy. This isn't the company that tends to shout about its accomplishments. They've only recently started producing commercials. I don't know if you watch mm-hmm. things uh, on cable TV or Sling TV or something. I'm seeing these cool Logitech lifestyle commercials now. They're kind of Apple esque. Just to remind people, hey, they make everything. (laughs) Yeah, so that's, and that's like the first thing they've done in a very long time. So anyway, I'm really digging Logitech as a company. And I think this initiative is really cool. They plan to add it to all their products within five years. And they're going to start with some gaming uh, devices later this year. Uh, I hope other companies follow suit. Yeah, I agree. Would it turn you off of buying a product if you saw a high carbon nutritional label on it? Or would you not care? Also, if you have any thoughts on what your first voice tweet might be, yeah, make sure to send them our way. Uh, Give us some ideas for what my or Davinja's first voice tweets should be. (laughs) Send your uh, scripts to podcast at Engadget.com. Let's move on to our Engadget picks of the week. Uh, These are our pop culture picks to kind of refresh us and take us away from tech news a little. And I want to throw a shout out to Normal People on Hulu. And this is a series um, directed or mostly directed and created by Lenny Abramson, but it's it's based on the Sally Rooney novel. It's about these two. It's a weird setup. It's just Mm -hmm. it's two sad Irish kids. It's two sad Irish kids who kind of are in love but they're so emotionally broken they don't know how to make it work so it is sounds very familiar (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i'm not gonna pry too much there it is it is you know it's a romance story but it's also like a story about modern love and just connection um and i think it's really interesting and i think you'd appreciate it trillin uh because the performances are just astounding. Uh, the two leads, uh, Marianne and Connell, played by Daisy Edgar Jones and Paul Mescal. I've never seen these actors before, 
but these mm-hmm. performances are astounding. They're so raw, so naked in many ways. And yes, this is a very sexy time show, so <laughs> they will be naked quite a bit. Um, but it's what they reveal in their performances, I think, are really fascinating. And they're both very different characters. Uh, Connell is this sort of like, he starts off as this jockey dude who may be a little mm. more introspective and maybe smarter than some of his friends but he doesn't know how to branch out of the social designation of being the semi-popular jock and marianne is this girl who is very smart and rich but also socially isolated and every single person hates her including her family so they form this connection it's really interesting to see their relationship go up and down And what I find fascinating, too, is that it is so realistic in many ways of how, you know, a simple communication breakdown can lead to a breakup for a year. That Hmm. just feels so it's if you guys just talk to each other, just say what you mean. But they're Uh, kids. They're not. I mean, this is like by the time they're in college. But, yeah, you're still Uh, young. You still don't know how to like manage all these feelings and emotions. I find it really fascinating. Um, Worth a watch. Do not watch it with your parents. I feel like I have to throw that <laughs> designation out there sometimes. Uh, but it's a really good show that'll break your heart. If you like the Before Sunrise and Sunset series of movies, which are among my favorites, uh, you'll love this. It is it is just as heartbreaking, not as hopeful. I'd say it's not as light and airy as those movies can be, but it is worth watching. It's a fantastic series. So what have you been watching, Sherlyn? I've been, uh, so I spent this past weekend trying to catch up on a bunch of shows. I saw Artemis Fowl on Disney+, Plus, which was oh, not good. It was not good, I'll just say. <laughs> uh, I'll put it out there. I was very uh-huh. frustrated the whole time. Didn't think that the protagonist was anywhere I'm near bad enough. I'm very glad we don't have to shout about this. So good. Yes, good. yes. I'm very glad you're not shouting at me about this. We fully agree. We're, we're in agreement here. That was not a good movie. Then I also tried to watch Homecoming. And this is where we disagree. I think that you really liked Homecoming. You've recommended it on this show. I love Janelle Monae's performance. I love Hong Chao's performance. I just did you see the first season or did you start that's, with I the think second? that's the biggest problem is what that I started you, with the what? second season. Okay. What? Okay. Surely you know mad. you know one comes before two, right? Well, yeah, but I don't feel like you did say I needed to I watch did the first say, season. I did say. Okay. So it's what I'm gonna do then? <laughs> I'll watch the first season. It probably will be. It will make more sense. But watching yeah. it just the second season first. Dear listeners, great. dear listeners, do not just start in the middle. Just like you wouldn't open up a book. Well, it and start seemed like a standalone season. No, it's not a standalone season. It's not a standalone okay. It is, but yeah, you will not understand half of what's going on in Homecoming. Like, yeah, you right. don't and know anything. Right, and that's probably why it was so frustrating, yeah. About the world. Uh, although, the, honestly, it would probably be kind of an interesting way to watch that season. I would I'm not telling you, I didn't it. get it. <laughs> yeah, I would not, yeah. Uh, watch season one like a normal human being, surely. <laughs> wow, are you uh, calling it's also, me not normal? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but I, It's I also a have... much better season than season two. So season one is good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, and finally, I do want to recommend uh, a book called Black Fortunes by my friend, former classmate, Sho Wills. Um, it's a book about the first black millionaires in America. Oh, cool. Is that and their full name, Sho Wills? Shomari Wills is his full name. I just, okay. we all know him as Sho. I, I don't Okay, well, yeah. if listeners want to find the book, Sherlyn, <laughs> come on, help your friend out over here. Shomar, I yeah, I've shared it, and he's he's first of all a great guy, like one of the first Big Brother figures, kind of like the Vinger of the Vinger wasn't mean, Ugh. and uh, um, Ugh. he's really really kind and gentle. I loved I love him. I love being like 
you know, in, in class with him. Anyway, his book is great. I just started reading it and um, it's it's very eye opening. I mean, Sho kind of goes into a bit of his family history in the introduction and then he opens with the first black millionaire ever uh, who uh, I don't know if you guys might know this name. Maybe you don't because it's been mm-hmm. buried in history, but William Lees Durfdorf. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing the last name mm-hmm. right because it's a mouthful. Um, but you know, it then goes on to explore some of these other names you might not have known about otherwise, including Mary Ellen Pleasant. Uh, I mean, Doug, Frederick Douglass is mentioned in the first chapter as well, but it, it goes on to cover a lot of these things in a very human way. And there's also surprisingly some twists and turns, which is weird. Uh, and one of the chapters is also going to cover um, what sparked the Tulsa race riots. Uh, so there's just a lot to learn about and I think that this was a and this book was like released two or three years ago yeah yeah I was just like you know back then it is interesting to see racial justice movies and movies or and books about the black experience in America becoming so so popular now like everyone's doing their homework so finally right like me yeah I'm finally doing my homework too uh when (laughs) show was doing his like book promotion stuff two or three years ago I was like this is really good I really want to get it and read it but then I never got around to doing it and finally like yeah like Charlotte's everyone such else a good world, friend she waited three years I'm a very bad friend I know and when I finally shared his thing on my uh Instagram show I was like thank you I was like I should have done this sooner <laughs> he's like yes because first run sales matter the most did <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's got a five star rating on Amazon, you know. Okay, so that's, that's good. where I bought it. I will it. check this out. I think it's, it sounds really cool. And by the way, uh, speaking of like great black art, uh, shout out to The Five Bloods on Netflix, Spike Lee's latest film. Ooh. It's incredible. I love to see like a master filmmaker in his craft making good movies again. Yeah. He's made some not so great low budget things. And between this and Black Klansman, like, man, it is really great to have his voice out here now. And that's our episode this week, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own managing editor, Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Devendra online at... At Devendra on Twitter and I podcast about movies and TV at the Slash Filmcast at SlashFilm.com. If you're not going to yell at me for not watching Homecoming Season 1 first, I'm at Sherlyn Lowe on Twitter. Please Email yell at us. Her. No, do not. You can yell at Devendra. Email us at podcast at Engadget.com. Leave us a review on iTunes, please. And subscribe on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify. Or left Nothing. twigs and right twigs, yeah. Nothing. Um, you can know when Trillin's hungry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean always? <laughs>